Hi, and welcome back to the Today is the Day podcast, where we take a deep dive into popular health topics and empower you to make informed, evidence-based decisions. We'll offer you practical tools and strategies so you can easily integrate what you learn into your everyday habits. And today is the day we're exploring autoimmune disease and the common misconception that once diagnosed, there isn't much we can do. We're answering the question, can you cure an autoimmune disease? We'll be covering the medical approach to autoimmune disease, why there has been a 300 to 400% increase over the last 50 years in autoimmune disease, the three factors associated with all autoimmune diseases, whether a cure is possible, the multi-pronged approach to recovery, and the first steps you can take if you or someone you know is currently suffering or awaiting a diagnosis. Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us. I'm Megan Telpner, a nutritionist, two-time best-selling author, and founder of the Academy of Culinary Nutrition. Joining me, as always, is Josh Catalis. Hi, everyone. I'm a clinical nutritionist and functional medicine practitioner with a clinic in downtown Toronto. I'm also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Certification Program and an instructor with the Academy of Culinary Nutrition. And what we're covering today is an extremely popular topic, one that affects a large portion of my community, given my own history of an autoimmune diagnosis, and also a topic that is really popular in Josh's clinic, given that I refer so many people to him when they contact me seeking help with their autoimmune conditions. So I'm going to be sharing a little bit later in the show my own healing journey, which hopefully will inspire hope in those of you who are suffering or who know someone who is. It was my own health journey that inspired the work that I now do in empowering graduates of the Academy of Culinary Nutrition to become advocates and leaders in their own communities. Now, one of the things I was told upon diagnosis, and it stuck in my mind, was that I had this for life. I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease in 2006. I was 26 years old. And it felt like this sentence that was sort of bestowed upon me, I was given no hope for an optimal, healthy, normal life. And I'm hoping that with what we share today, we'll dispel that feeling. Anyone who's ever had that feeling or been given this di- a diagnosis will hopefully leave with some amazing tools, but also the understanding of how the body works and how the, the amazing capacity it has to recover. Let's start by taking it back to when you got your diagnosis back in 2006, because the information that you're getting at that time was from a medical perspective. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. I I mean, I'd gone to 19 doctors and practitioners prior to being diagnosed. So I was looking at all aspects. I was looking in the natural health world and the medical, but no one gave me a solution. No one could tell me what was wrong until I got the diagnosis. And then I didn't really have a solution after that. Right. And in terms of their recommendations, in terms of how our medical system approaches autoimmune disease, is it's really trying to deal with the symptoms associated with the respective disease that whatever person is diagnosed with, right? You know, there's over 70, I think we're actually going on over 80 different autoimmune diseases now, given different names. But as we're going to get to, they all have common features in place. It just depends on which tissue is getting attacked. So rheumatoid arthritis, it's the joints, multiple sclerosis, it's the nerves, 
inflammatory bowel disease, Crohn's colitis, it's the digestive tract. So we have this, this array of what we call autoimmune disease, which is essentially when the body attacks itself, yet all they're really trying to do is address the symptoms, address oftentimes just the inflammation through anti-inflammatories, through immunosuppressants, and in more serious cases, surgery. So what we're going to really address today and get to the bottom of is what's the actual root cause of these diseases and how can we slow them down, slow down the progression, halt the progression, and even in some cases, as you've experienced firsthand, reverse it and do I dare say? Cure it. Cure it. Ooh, I don't know if you dare say. So what happened in my case, to rewind, was that in 2003, upon graduating from university, I wanted to travel through Africa, take my fashion degree to good use, volunteering and backpacking in East Africa and Mozambique and Swaziland. Uh, I went through South Africa and then up to Senegal. And... I got all my vaccinations. I went traveling. And a week after, it was actually a week before I even left, I started experiencing symptoms and was traveling and under a lot of stress while I was away because I was away by myself. So it was a challenging circumstance and ended up coming home really sick. And it was about 10 weeks I was away. I came back and started this tour of doctor to doctor trying to figure out what was wrong with me. And I was told it was stress. It was hormones. I went to tropical disease specialists. I did all kinds of tests and started trying to adjust my diet because I knew straight off the bat that certain things made it worse. I knew that drinking coffee wasn't helpful. I knew dairy wasn't a good idea. I knew uh, alcohol was a bad choice. And so I slowly started stripping away my diet but couldn't quite get to a solution and continued going to practitioner to practitioner. As I mentioned earlier, 19 doctors later, I finally, the symptoms were bad enough that I was sent to a gastroenterologist, waited the six weeks to get the colonoscopy and was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. So 19 doctors, let's just stop for a moment. What did doctor number one to five say? If I remember, there was like that it was an infection from traveling, which maybe that was part of it. It was stress. I was 26, if 25, actually 24 when it first started. And sort of having one of those, you know, quarter life crises, not knowing what I wanted to do. So I felt like I was under some level of stress. I was told it was hormonal imbalance. I was on the birth control pill at the time. So I was given a lot of reasons. I was told it was in my head and was sent to a psychiatrist. And all I kept saying was that I'm not feeling depressed, which is causing this. I'm feeling depressed because I have this and can't leave the house and can't make plans and can't do anything. And so, yeah, and I was persistent because something went wrong and it was inhibiting my quality of life. And so finally, in August of 2006, when I was diagnosed with Crohn's and the gastroenterologist said to me, nearly word for word, eat your cheeseburgers, drink your milkshakes, nothing you do is going to affect the prognosis of this disease. And I left there, there wasn't anything they could do for me yet. Uh, It wasn't bad enough to need any major medications. It wasn't bad enough to need surgery. He said to come back in six months and we'll wait and see what happens. And that to me seemed like insane advice. And I had limited knowledge of biology. I had limited knowledge of physiology. But it seemed like common sense that a disease of the digestive tract 
would be affected by what passed through it. We know that if like I burned my hand cooking and I could either soak it in salt water, which would cause it to burn further, or I could put some honey or aloe on it, it would feel better. So if, you know, and when I got my biopsy report and the diagnosis, I looked at every word so I could understand it. It said chronic active inflammation. So I, you know, with my limited knowledge and without the expansive internet that we have now, I started reading in books and figuring out what inflammation meant, that it's red, it's hot, there's certain conditions. And then I started looking at the things that potentially would help it. And I basically made myself a list of foods, the foods that would potentially exacerbate inflammation and the things that could potentially help it. So anything that was on the the no list was 100% no. And what I was left with was a predominantly unprocessed whole foods diet. I wanted to know exactly what I was eating, which meant all the cooking had to happen in my kitchen, which meant I had to discover that room in my apartment called the kitchen, which I hadn't used much in my entire life. And I was going for acupuncture. I was taking nutritional supplements. I gave up my 5 a.m. personal training sessions at the gym in lieu of yoga and meditation and all these things that I had mocked completely. And the result was that within a month, I was symptom-free. I had no more symptoms of Crohn's disease and inflammatory bowel disease that is an incredibly challenging condition. It involves explosive, unexpected diarrhea, bleeding, and can cause even further complications. And so suddenly I was fine. After three years of dealing with this, I felt great. After three months on this self-created protocol, I felt healthier than I ever had in my life, in my mind, in my body. It was like I had finally been able to exhale after holding my breath my whole life. I didn't know that it was possible to function on a different frequency. The end of that three month was December 2006, so nearly 13 years ago, and there has been no recurrence, no sign or symptoms. If I were to go to a doctor today and have all the blood work and all the tests done, and there'd be no sign of this disease in my body. So is that a cure or am I just in remission? Right. And that's such a good question. You know, when people get this dreaded diagnosis of Crohn's or any real, any autoimmune disease, they're not given even the idea that it is possible to heal from it. No. To reach a point where they're not experiencing symptoms. And that's not... It's, it's so much so. I just want to interrupt you right there because when I said to my GI... I was going to try acupuncture. His response was, there's no evidence. And we'll often hear that with all the things that I tried, they'll say, there's no evidence to support that. Right. And a lot of that is because you can't, you can't take someone with an autoimmune disease and just give them acupuncture and that will work. Right. And, and what you were saying at the beginning was that you had seen 19 doctors and you went to a psychologist and a psychiatrist and, and an endocrinologist. And the interesting thing is all of those factors or systems in the body can actually play a role, but they're looking for the bullseye rather than appreciating that all of these different systems play a role. It's holistic and we have to address each one of them to really get to the intersection of where the healing is going to happen. And one of the tips I want to just throw in here while it's at the tip of my brain is that while I was going to all those doctors, and for those of you in this situation or who know someone who is, create your health resume. It is so incredibly helpful. And what I mean by that, and you know what, maybe we'll make that 
the download for this episode is we'll include it. But what it is, is a way to document sort of your best Mem- from best memory, your, the timeline of your health and what happened when. So when you're going to these different doctors and different practitioners, you don't have to go through the whole story over and over again. It saves time. Oftentimes you can send it in advance and it'll get leave something behind that they can review because time is tight with all practitioners. Everyone is overworked and overwhelmed. So if you go to culinarynutrition.com forward slash podcast, you can grab and click on this episode. You can grab uh, that download and everyone should have a copy of their homemade health resume and copies of, of all your blood work and tests that you've had done. Yeah. And just a note on the timeline, which is a really incredible and valuable tool I use at my clinic, is it helps us to determine three things, the antecedents, triggers, and mediators, the things that came before your diagnosis. What was the first one? Antecedents. Antecedents. Yeah. So the antecedents, the things that come before, the factors, whether that is genetic or other, and we're going to talk about genes in a moment here, the triggers. So was there anything that actually caused it to happen or was the can- the the straw that broke the camel's back and then mediators things that are perpetuating the illness so you know stress could be an example of that so that's what we look at when we see that timeline it could be very helpful for a practitioner it can be very helpful for a person too you suddenly write this all down and you're like oh wait a second this makes Absolutely. perfect sense yeah it's a bit of a eureka for some people so one thing i did mention was that genes can play a role. And this is one of three key factors in the development of any autoimmune disease. We have to have genetic susceptibility. So you're of Jewish descent, and we know that people of Jewish descent actually have a higher risk of getting Crohn's. Yes. Yes. And I have family members as well. And I think older of older generations, but but in older generations, no one talked about stuff. Yeah. So in the literature, there is some scientific backing that there is that genetic link. We've also isolated some specific genes that are associated with inflammatory bowel disease, but it's not enough to actually have the disease occur. So if you have your genes tested and you have all the inflammatory bowel disease genes, you're still not necessarily going to get it. There's two other situations or factors that need to be in place. And I think this is a really important one of three factors that affect autoimmune disease because I think that we see a lot of people who use their genes as an excuse saying, well, everyone in my family is this, so it's bound to happen. And, you know, I've written about epigenetics. You've written about epigenetics. It's that idea that through all the other factors in our life, we can switch those genes on or off. Absolutely. And oftentimes we are living the same lifestyle and eating the same foods as our parents and our parents' parents. So is it nature? Is it nurture? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I remember we were sitting at dinner with your late booby Ida and she looked at you and said, never marry a a woman with Crohn's. Your children will be sick. And she obviously didn't know my history, but we all found it pretty funny. Yeah, I guess I'm just taking my chances. (laughs) So the second uh, factor that needs to be in place for an autoimmune disease to develop is an environmental trigger. And this can take on many different forms. So one form could be an infection. We can pick up a bug from our food. We can pick up a virus from another person or the environment. We can, you know, get all sorts of different microorganisms that Mm -hmm. have a negative impact in our body and create an inflammatory response. It could be a food. So we know gluten, for example, can cause celiac disease and autoimmune disease. It could be a toxin. 
We know that certain heavy metals, for example, really disrupt the gut lining. They can also, again, increase inflammation. And it can also be stress. Yes. Right? So we can appreciate that stress was actually quite a big factor for you, was it not? Yes. I mean, looking at this, I think every single one of those was a factor for me. And I hope you guys who are listening, if you're in a similar situation, you might even be thinking about your own experience, what might have triggered whatever the health condition is that you're looking at. Because these four factors are implicated in a lot more than just autoimmune disease as well. And it's so prevalent. And we're going to get into a little bit more of each of them. But in looking at the genetics, we know that that is our weakness in the body. We can't do much about it. So if, you know, the environmental triggers happen, we might have a understanding or predictor or look out for the signs and symptoms in the area that we see in other people in our family dealing with. But then if we look at those four infection, food, toxin, stress of the environmental triggers, it gives us a clue as to what we would need to put in place or what we would need to do to reverse the effect of that trigger. It's like a reverse engineering. A reverse engineering. To health. Yes. <laughs> the name of my next book, Reverse Engineering to Health. So what's the third factor? So the third that needs to be in place. So it's not enough if you have the genes. It's not even enough if you have those environmental triggers. The third thing that needs to be in place is a, is a syndrome called leaky gut syndrome, where that barrier that protects what we call the outside of the body to the inside of the body. We actually consider the digestive tract the outside of the body because it's not in the blood yet. That barrier gets compromised. And then we have a breach of that barrier and various organisms or foods or pathogens can actually go past that barrier unchecked. And our immune system freaks out because it's like, hey, that's not supposed to be in the bloodstream. It attacks it and then... Sometimes it looks like certain tissues in the body. So if we eat gluten, for example, gluten looks very similar to the outside layer of our thyroid. And then the immune system goes and attacks the gluten when you eat it and also goes and attacks the thyroid. And then we're diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And there's also foods that will cross-react. So if you have a food sensitivity and you're reacting to the proteins and gluten, you might also be reacting to dairy. And there's a whole list of foods that cross-react. And what we often see is people eliminating just one thing at one time and not seeing the results and then assume, well, that didn't do it. Now I'll try something else. When in fact, you're sort of setting yourself back by not trying a protocol full on, eliminating all the potential food allergens and giving that a go 100%. Yeah. There's a way we kind of describe that effect in the functional medicine world. And we say that if you're sitting on two tacks, and you remove one of those tacks. You're still sitting on a tack? Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> decrease your pain by 50%. Right. Right, you're still in a lot of pain, but you've taken away 50% of that problem. So sometimes, you know, someone will try a gluten-free diet, for example, and they're like, you know, it didn't cure me, but I did feel a bit of a benefit. And that's like a real good sign that that diet is doing something positive. You know, you're not always looking for like 100% relief of your symptoms. You might read a book on, on the gluten-free diet and they get all jazzed up and be like, oh, if I eliminate the gluten, it's going to cure me. But even if you have that small improvement, it means you're starting to peel the layers of that onion and you need to stick with it and you need to find out what the next layer is. 
Exactly. And that's just the thing I was saying before, that when my gastroenterologist said, well, there's no evidence to support that acupuncture will, quote, cure an autoimmune disease, which there isn't, and it probably won't all on its own. And just like a gluten-free diet won't cure an autoimmune disease, and taking vitamin D alone as the only thing won't cure an autoimmune disease. And the thing that is missing, at least what I see in most cases, and you might concur in your clinic with who you see when, when you meet with clients, is that there's this multi-prong approach that needs to be taken in order to fully heal, or dare I say, cure a disease. And so what we end up doing is one thing at a time for a short period of time, usually not even doing it full on, like when people say, well, I've mostly eliminated gluten. And so if we look at those three triggers, the genes, which we can't really change, but we can affect how they display themselves in the body or express themselves, we can look at the environmental triggers and think about what of those infections, foods, toxins, stress is a problem in our life or could be that contributing factor. And then we can look at whether we have leaky gut, in which case we need to work to heal the gut. And that forms a foundation of this multi-prong approach. And suddenly you're all listening being like, oh my goodness, that makes so much sense. That's so simple. It, it kind of is. It's not that simple to actually execute and have success with. But when you're told there's no known cause, it's because there isn't one thing. And there's never one thing that will cause a cascade that develops a disease in the body. And there'll never be the one magic bullet pill. And whether that's a, a physical pill you're swallowing or, you know, the one thing you need to change in your life that will reverse the transgression of a disease. And so something that's so important to keep in mind as we go through the multi-prong approach to healing and, and what our recommendations are is that it can't be just a short-term thing. It's not a diet. It's not a quick fix. It's that you are reversing and changing how your genes express themselves. And as soon as you go back to old habits, everything will go back to how it was in your body as well. So you start making these changes as a lifestyle transition and then it becomes your life. And it literally, and I can speak from experience, it becomes absolutely effortless. And the downside of what you might think is like you can't eat wherever you want, you can't drink as much as you did, you can't live the way you were living is so insignificant when you can wake up every day with confidence that you will feel good and that you can live your life to the fullest and go to your job and take vacations and plan events without that unexpected or that worry about a sudden flare-up or other things that come when you're dealing with chronic conditions and diseases. We're going to pause here for a moment so I can introduce you to an amazing organization called Thrive, formerly known as Organics for Orphans. Thrive is the official charity partner of the Academy of Culinary Nutrition. To date, we have donated nearly $70,000 to Thrive and other charities for the sale of a digital cookbook. Perhaps you are one of the people that have supported this initiative over the years. It's called From Scratch Cooking. I'd like you to meet Dale Bolton, a co-founder of Thrive, so he can tell you a little bit more about this partnership and about the organization and the incredible work that they are doing. Hi, this is Dale Bolton, founder of Thrive, formerly Organics for Orphans. Over the last decade, we've watched as Megan developed the Academy of Culinary Nutrition into a multinational learning organization that focuses on the power 
of great tasting food to heal us. Every year, the Academy and their graduate students create the From Scratch Cooking recipe book. Sales of this amazing resource for the last three years have raised thousands of dollars for Thrive. 100% of the money donated has gone to cover the costs of agro-nutritional training programs in the poorest communities in Africa. Over 3,000 people now know how to grow their own disease-fighting food because of this joint venture. This has to be one of the greatest win-win stories of people getting healthy in Western countries who then help the poorest people do the same. Globally, one out of three people suffer from severe malnutrition, but poor diet is a worldwide problem. The beauty of the Academy of Culinary Nutrition's learning platform is it can change people's lives in any part of the world. Thank you, Megan, and your amazing team for making this happen. Giving feels good, and it's been incredibly rewarding to see the impact our efforts are having on the lives of people on the other side of the world. I want to invite you to head on over to culinarynutrition.com forward slash podcast and choose this episode. There you'll find links to Thrive and also be able to pick up your own copy of this fundraising cookbook. And if you'd like to be featured in next year's book, well then join us in September for the 2019 Culinary Nutrition Expert Program. We cannot wait for this term to start and would love for you to be part of our community. All of the details can be found at culinarynutrition.com forward slash program. Now, let's get back to today's episode. And one thing that I've noticed in my clinic is that the people who have the best success or the most success are the ones that are committed, Mm -hmm. right? When you're interested, you'll do what's convenient. When you're committed, you'll do what it takes. And when you're desperate, you'll do absolutely anything. Yeah. And the people who are committed or even in desperation because they've seen those 19 doctors, they've tried all those different therapies, they are with me as a team looking for those answers. Yeah. And when we search, we find them. And it's, sometimes it takes a little bit of time. Sometimes it takes a little bit of trial and error, but we do get to them eventually. So we're going to share a little bit about sort of what the multi-prong approach is, the diet, nutritional supplements, lifestyle, and the psycho-spiritual element, which are all part of the healing process, knowing that we're offering this for education purposes only. And it and we highly, highly recommend you seek out a natural healthcare practitioner or functional medicine practitioner to work with one-on-one and make sure you are doing this safely. And especially if you're on any types of medications, you definitely want to be under the care of someone with experience. Yeah. So there's, you know, starting with diet, a foundational diet, there's a few different iterations out there depending on what autoimmune disease you're looking at. But one thing that we actually discuss in great detail in your program. In the uh, Culinary Nutrition Expert Program. Is that all of the healing diets have certain things in common. And they're all basically taking out the crap and putting in the good stuff. Yes. Right? Whole foods, you know, not processed, no additives, no preservatives, just real good whole food. Yes. And a lot of people ask me, like, were you on the keto diet? Did you try paleo? In 2006, I had no idea what any of these diets were. I don't think you could find anything on them. There definitely wasn't the abundance of books. I was just on a whole unprocessed foods diet, no dairy, no gluten, no sugar, no coffee, no alcohol. That was basically it for my restrictions. 
And it, and for me, that worked. And there's no one diet for everybody, but getting rid of processed foods, as Josh said, getting rid of processed oils, getting rid of the white salt and white sugar and breads and really looking at how the majority of the food that you eat is created and processed in your own kitchen from ingredients. And they say that real food doesn't have ingredients. It is ingredients. And that's the philosophy that we follow. And so with that healing diet and then adding in nutritional supplements, if you need to rebalance your body or regain nutrients, because you will be depleted. So one key aspect I want to add to the diet discussion, the foundational diet, is although we're choosing a whole foods diet, and actually we know people who have healed from Crohn's or colitis on the vegan diet, and we've known people that have healed on a paleo diet. So it's all about finding what works for you. But there's two foods that should be eliminated no matter what, and that is gluten and dairy. Now, gluten's a big problem because it causes leaky gut in every single person that consumes it. There have been a few studies, at least, that have published research showing that when people that aren't even uh, gluten-sensitive or celiac consume gluten, they incur damage in their gut. Now, of course, they have to have these other factors there in order for it to develop as an autoimmune disease, the genetics and the environmental trigger. So for some people, it's not a problem, but gluten definitely needs to come out. Dairy also needs to come out because it's got high cross-reactivity with gluten, and it's an issue for many other reasons as well. So we've got a foundational diet, and then we're thinking of possibly what next, Megan? Well, that's where the supplements come in. Right. So we're talking about some key therapeutic targeted supplements. Again, it's going to vary based on the person. And again, you definitely want to consult with your own natural healthcare practitioner. Do not create your own therapeutic supplement protocol on your own. These supplements have power. They work when you take the right ones at the right time in the right amount, and you need a professional to help you do that. Right. So there's good research on using certain probiotics with inflammatory bowel disease, different ones used for Crohn's versus colitis. We also know that certain nutrients play a key role, like vitamin D is really important for gut integrity, balances the whole immune system. It's an immunomodulator. Nutrients like zinc are very important for healing and often deficient in people with inflammatory bowel disease. And then, you know, if we went into every single autoimmune disease, we're going to get a list of uh, at least 100 different supplements. So they have their time and they have their place. Also, in the functional medicine world, we're thinking about what we have to take out, not just put in. So we're putting in a good diet, we're putting in some good nutrients, but what do we have to remove from our environment? And that's toxins, and that's toxic thoughts as well, which can also act as toxins. We've talked about diet and the supplements. And one key thing before we move on to the toxins a little little bit further in lifestyle is organic food. So if you're not eating organic food, you are consuming chemicals with every meal and toxins. And these are known endocrine disruptors. They have a whole heap of health problems associated with them. So as best as you can, realistically choose organic food. And that doesn't mean, you know, splurging on organic prepackaged granola and cookies. But if we're just buying the ingredients and cooking from our, from scratch ourselves, it becomes a lot more cost effective. And if you want more tips, check out our episode on eating healthy on a budget. So on to lifestyle and the lifestyle component merges a few of the factors. One of the key things about lifestyle is 
living in a way that is health supportive. So that means removing the toxins from your home, from your personal care products, from the environments in which you spend the most time, which is your home, often your office, often the way in which you are getting to and from work. And we can't always control the pollution in our external environment, but we can have a huge impact on what goes on inside our home. Part of a lifestyle is also getting gentle exercise, using different techniques, whatever works best for you to process your stress, whether it's meditation or golfing or fishing or bike riding or going for a walk in the park. It's maintaining healthful relationships with the people you choose to spend your life with and learning how to best manage the ones that you are obligated to have relationships with. It's called family. Sometimes we love them and sometimes they challenge us. And the work that we do, that's another really important one, is finding the joy and the inspiration in the work you have the privilege to do every day. And if you really, really hate your job, find a way to either move on from it or to find some satisfaction and fulfillment in what you are doing every day. Because you are committing, you know, if we if we have 24 hours in a day, we're spending eight of those hours sleeping, eight of, eight of those hours working, eight of those hours hopefully doing whatever we want that fills us with joy. So finding work that we love or finding a way to get some fulfillment in that work is going to be really important. And the final component is the psycho-spiritual, which is dealing with our emotional stuff. And this is often the hardest thing to address because we sometimes aren't even aware of our programming. We're not aware of what might trigger us. We often are so detached from both our mind and our body that we don't even notice the physical response we have to emotional events or to reading a certain email or seeing something on the evening news. So diet and nutritional supplements, lifestyle, and the psycho-spiritual component, those are the three things, the three areas that need to be addressed in order to effectively reverse the progression of a disease, to prevent a disease, to help to heal and get better from. And, and we should caveat this to say that obviously, at least I hope it's obvious, there are no guarantees in life. So consider your efforts, your insurance, and it might work. You might find yourself completely symptom-free as I did. You may find that things just aren't getting worse and that's the best you can hope for and that's excellent as well. Everyone will have their own experience going through this. And so don't feel like if you don't get to a certain goal that you have failed. Every effort has value. And it's, as Josh often refers to it, is it's deposits in your health account. And the more deposits you make over the long run, there is absolutely benefit. Yeah. And another thing I'd like to add, uh, just before we wrap this up, is that, you know, another saying Megan hears me say a lot is that you can break the laws of man, but you can't break the laws of mother nature. So what I'm saying with that is that when you're piling on all this good stuff, Again, it might not remove all the tax, but it's helping to decrease the load on your body. And you're starting to peel those layers of onion, just to add another pun um, <laughs> <laughs> or another uh, yeah, example of getting closer to what's going to help you heal. And the thing with natural health is that no news is good news. And sometimes it's not that sexy. Like with medicine, if someone is in serious pain and you give them a painkiller, like that's pretty cool, right? That you can give this pill and take away someone's pain. But when you're dealing with some of the natural solutions, you don't always get an immediate response from that. But you have to trust in the process. And how do we develop trust? 
we listen to podcasts like this, we look at research, we watch documentaries, we read books that all are educating us on how these natural processes work in the body and how when you change your diet, when you clean it up, when you remove the toxins, when you have stress uh, management and stress relief, and you do activities that bring you joy and spend time with people that bring you joy, they're all going to help put the body in more of that healing state, that rest and digest parasympathetic mode, and release all those wonderful peptides and chemicals in the body that promote and move us towards healing, and do I dare say, possibly a cure. I want to just mention, because anyone, I mean, not anyone, but a lot of people dealing with the conditions we're talking about are going to be on medications. So what I often hear is people are on medication and they say they're doing great, they have no symptoms. That is not the same as a healing or as a cure because you are taking something to mask those symptoms or to block that symptom response in the body. So what we've talked about is equally valuable to you no matter where you're at along this path, whether you've even entered this path. So even if you are on an immunosuppressant medication or taking some sort of steroid to manage your symptoms, please do not go off them right away. Please, please, please do not. First, I would say get your lifestyle, get the diet, get all these pieces in place, and then you can work with your primary care practitioner to potentially transition off them in a safe and supported way. But if you can get these habits in place first, the chances are better of you having success as you may reduce or eliminate the medications. Absolutely. And just to add a piece to that is that those stronger therapies like the medications are dealing with the downstream effect. They're dealing with the inflammation, which we were talking about at the beginning, is how, again, our medical system addresses these. And at times they are critical and life-saving. Absolutely. And I've worked with many people who have had to stay on their drugs. But while they're doing that, we're working on the lifestyle and the diet and all the other factors we mentioned. And it's getting to the root cause it's improving their health, it's keeping them in remission, and it's sometimes reducing the dose of the drug, and sometimes even improving the efficacy and ability for that drug to do what it's supposed to do. So there's definitely a place in the middle for some people where it doesn't have to be either in the natural side or the conventional side, but the combination of all of these things is truly where the power lies. So as we close out, I want to just share and maybe we can summarize the things that our listeners could do today if they are dealing with a diagnosis, waiting for a diagnosis, caring for someone who is dealing with an autoimmune disease so that they have their go-to list. And again, we'll have more notes for you, an easy download over at culinarynutrition.com forward slash podcast. So the first tip, you want to clean up the diet. If necessary, test for the food allergies eliminate 100%. That doesn't mean a little bit, but eliminate 100% gluten and dairy. You want to remove the toxins from your environment to the best of your ability. Clean up your personal care products, clean up your home environment, get rid of the toxic cleaning products. And anywhere where you see something that might be in your environment that you actually can't consume. Like perfumes, scented candles, air fresheners, I also, as you were speaking, was thinking about mold, which is a really common thing, especially where we live in downtown Toronto. Most basements deal with mold. So that is a very common and hidden trigger you may not even be aware of. 
The next we have on our list is to integrate gentle movement into your routine. So if you are dealing with a health challenge, it's not the time to train for a marathon or try and drop 50 pounds by doing these intensive exercises every single day. It's a time to find some gentle movement, to move the lymph, to breathe, to stretch, to move your body optimally in nature if that's accessible to you and the season is in agreement, but really looking at at gentle movement as a way to both process stress and to help with psycho-spiritual health and well-being. A walk in nature can do wonders for your mental and emotional health. And so as with most things in natural healing, all of these have multiple benefits. There's no like you do this and then you get that. They all work together to create a cumulative benefit on our overall health. We also want to make time for activities that bring us joy, that just pure joy, that fill our heart, fill our soul. You know, I've had clients come into my clinic where they just don't do anything that they love anymore. And there's a question on my intake that says, what brings you joy? What brings you happiness? What helps you to decompress? And sometimes there's not much there. So getting that person to find those activities, to go back when they were young and do those things that really filled their soul is a really important step in their healing. So sometimes my prescription is go and, uh, you know, dance a little bit. What are the activities that bring you joy? That bring me joy? Yeah. Watching our son. (laughs) (laughs) Watching him laugh specifically. Uh, Going for a walk in the park, going for a really nice bike ride, skiing, right? That's one of my passions, as you know. Yeah. There's lots. There's Maybe lots. We'll have another discussion on that one. We make, we make a lot of time in our free time for activities we love to do together and individually. I like macrame. Mm-hmm. I like being in the garden. We love gardening together. Yeah. It's a new thing. We're just trying it out. Um, and the final one is rest. So this might be the most important thing. And we are chronically and epidemically exhausted as a society. If you need eight hours of sleep to maintain health, you need more than that to regain your health if you're dealing with a health issue. And I remember so distinctly when I was dealing with my flare-up from from Crohn's or progressive worsening of the symptoms, I just felt exhausted all the time and just wanted to sleep and felt guilty for wanting to sleep all the time. So make the time to rest, get an early bedtime. We talked about in our very first episode about the house rules, and we have a rule in our home that we're in bed by 9.30, lights out by 10, so that we get that optimal sleep that we need to recover and live a full day the next day healthfully. Yeah, one of my mentors, actually, Dr. Liz Lipsky, who's written a couple books on digestive wellness, I interviewed her a number of years ago. And one of the things she said she always recommends for any client she has with autoimmune disease is that they need to nap in the middle of the day for at least two hours or have two hours where they're doing nothing. And that's a specific prescription. It's it's a great prescription and it's really hard because typically people who develop autoimmune diseases aren't the type of people who are going to nap in the middle of the day. It's typically a type A sort of fiery personality. I don't know how I fit into this. So that wraps up our conversation. And perhaps we've answered the question for you of whether you can, in fact, cure an autoimmune disease. I hope that those of you listening have found something from this conversation, a little nugget that you're like, oh, I think that's been the missing part in my attempt or 
thank you for giving me hope that there is a possibility that I will feel better because you will feel better. I don't know what that will be. We don't know where that will end. A lot of it depends on who you are, your commitment to it, the efforts you're able to make and your overall outlook as you go through it. One of the things that I committed to when I decided I was going to try to heal this disease that I had was that I would make it the most fun I'd ever had in my whole life. And that was a commitment I made with every yoga class I went to, every time I sat down to meditate, every time I had to figure out what I was going to cook for dinner. I was going to find the joy and the love and the fun and the humor and all of it. And I think that that was a big part of that psycho-spiritual healing that I had without even knowing that I was doing that. I want to thank you guys all so much for joining us once again. And remember, there is more. We have loads of resources, all the links and a helpful bullet point summary of everything we covered in this episode over at culinarynutrition.com forward slash podcast. I also have a link to a blog post I wrote about how I healed from Crohn's disease. I use healed publicly because I've been bullied out of support groups for mentioning a cure. All of that information is waiting for you. So please head on over and get it. And if you're feeling inspired and want more, consider joining us for the Culinary Nutrition Expert Program. Registration is open and space is limited. You can learn more at culinarynutrition.com or check out the free training I created just for you at culinarynutrition.com forward slash free training. Knowledge is important, but applying it is truly where the power is. As I always say, the best way to get started is to get started. Take what you've learned and start applying it in your life. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and share it with your friends. We look forward to connecting with you again next time. Give us some stars too over there while you're leaving that review. Thank you guys so much. Have a great day.